Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. <laughs> well, the, for those of you who haven't figured it out, we are uh, started last week in a series that we're calling Reversing Genesis, um, really on looking what what our responsibilities are as a people of faith when it comes to all that God has made. And this morning, we're going to be talking about a plastic island in the Pacific and our universal human vocation to be caretakers of the earth. Admittedly, this is not going to be the most uplifting sermon I've ever preached, but we need to continue to lay the theological groundwork for the great vocation that God is calling the entire human community to. St. Francis of Assisi, one of my favorite saints, probably my favorite, um, said that the earth is our common home and that the earth is like a sister with whom we share our life or a beautiful mother who opens her arms to embrace us. In more recent years, Pope Francis has said that destroying the environment is a sin and that humans are turning the planet into a wasteland full of debris, desolation, and filth. Did you know that there is an island between California and Hawaii that is consists of the largest plastic island in the world, containing an estimated 200 million tons or 1.8 billion pieces of plastic. It's been nicknamed the eighth continent. That pretty much says it all right there. This island of filth has an estimated surface area twice the size of Texas. There was an oceanographer, researcher, surfer, and sea captain. His name is Charles Moore. He was the first to raise the alarm when he encountered this island of of floating plastics. It was so large, in fact, that it took him seven days to sail across it. He said that he would stand on the deck of his boat in order to try to see around it, but was unable to see anything but this human-made wasteland. This plastic is, of course, toxic to marine life, killing thousands of marine mammals and aquatic birds every single year. Many of us have seen these tragic and heartbreaking videos of turtles and dolphin and whales and birds and sharks all caught up in this lethal web of our making. Pope Francis has urged the world to take immediate action on environmental issues, including climate change even proposing, and this is so cool. This is why I love this Pope. He said and proposed that we should be caring for the environment, that this should actually be added to the list of traditional Christian works of mercy, like feeding the hungry. Now, as a lover of nature and having a tender heart for animals, I've always been a huge fan of St. Francis. And I've increasingly become a fan of the Pope that now bears his name. But what's so sad to me 
is that numerous studies have actually shown that not all Christians agree. These same studies show that one's views on environmental issues and responsibility all depends on what kind of Christian you are. And it seems to hinge on our interpretation or misinterpretation of Genesis chapters one and two. And at the center of the conversation is our human freedom and how we exercise it. It also seems to revolve around a particular word, that word translated from Hebrew to English as dominion. To some groups of Christians, dominion is domination. To others, it is care. So let's not be fooled by someone that would tell us that words don't matter because these two world words yield drastically different results. Results on one that lead to life and the other that lead to death. Well, last week I made the simplest of points from Psalm 24.1 that the earth and everything in it belongs to God and not to us. So the question for today is what, what does that make us? If God is the owner, then what are we? Are we exploitators or are we caretakers? Dominators or servants? The answer will have world-shaping implications for us and for every living thing and for all future generations. Will you join me in a word of prayer? God, you formed us from the dust of the earth. You breathed life into us. We approach your word with the posture of humility by the same spirit that hovered over the waters of creation. Lead us, teach us, guide us to know you ourselves and each other more fully. Amen. This is Genesis 1, 26 to 31. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion, there's that word, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in God's image. In the image of God, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. There's that word close right there again and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth and every tree with seed is fruit. You shall have them for food and every living beast on the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And so it was God saw all that God had made. And indeed, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the stories of the first chapters of Genesis are some of the most important, most known, 
and also most misunderstood in all of scripture. For starters, there's an order to the story based on the six days of creation. Living things are higher on the creation scale than non-living things. And among the living things, the human stands kind of at the pinnacle of this creation story as the creature most like the creator. Or to use biblical language, created in the image of God. This statement is both true and a little bit scary. So properly understanding it is critical. Whole volumes of books have been written on what it means to bear God's image. And I only have about a moment to offer a thought. <laughs> the Hebrew word translated as image comes from this root word meaning to chisel or to cut off. So any image both is and is not what it resembles. Humans are godlike in this story of creation in that we have awareness and freedom. We can speak, we can make, we can care for, contemplate, or judge. But the fine print of Genesis warns us that the human animal is by far the most problematic because we are merely a chiseled image of the creator, but we are not divine. We are the Bible's biggest problem. God looked at the totality of all that God had made and called it very good. Well, to be good in the sense that Genesis uses the word means to fit and function in relation to the whole. This is really important. When we are at our best, we're in right relationship with the earth, the plants, the animals, each other, and God. That's what the that's the biblical definition of the good here. So good depends on our faithfulness to the creator. So what were we designed for and how what might we live out the good? Well, God endowed us with freedom and authority over the things that God created. But I was kind of struck by Eric Lindroth last week in the chat reminding us that freedom is tempered by responsibility. Shay was really talking about the same thing a few minutes ago in her message. The word for dominion that humans have over the creation is really a pastoral term, a shepherding term. The great Walter Brueggemann reminds us that dominion in the biblical sense is like a shepherd who loves, cares for, and tends to the sheep charged to her care. It has nothing to do with exploitation or abuse. Dominion in Genesis is always about securing the well-being of every living thing and being in right relationship with the planet the way that God designed it. Well, a Christian understanding of dominion must always be discerned by looking at the way of Jesus. When we do that, we see that Jesus's authority was shown by serving. The good shepherd, this is New Testament language, the good shepherd who did not come to be served, but to serve and lay down his life for the sheep. So if God is the property owner, we are the stewards or the managers responsible for the property and goods of the owner. 
Stewardship refers to our responsibility to manage wisely everything that's been entrusted into our care. We're placed in charge of the garden in order to ensure it's flourishing according not to our purposes, but to God's purposes. This isn't an add-on or an extra or something only for people who love outdoors. It's the vocation given to the human beings. Adam and Eve, the first ones that the Bible talks about, really, uh, Adam meaning kind of the every man or the every woman, Adam and Eve. This is the idea with this creation story. It's our shared vocation. Adam and Eve were given the job of tilling, the Hebrew word meaning to serve and preserve the land for future generations. So human beings are not in a position over creation, but rather in a position under it in service to it. Now for a brief moment, I want you to, uh, to bring into your mind's eye your favorite place in nature. Where is that place for you? For me, that magical place is Big Sur. Now, for a moment, I'm going to go to Big Sur. So if I get distracted, please forgive me. <laughs> Where are you going? Why is it that you're going to the place that's in your mind's eye? What is it about that place that brings you joy. Now, the biblical writers want us to delight in creation. And the reason for this is because they know that we will care for that which we delight in. We will care for that which we love. What if we saw the whole planet and every living thing like the place that we were just imagining? Would we take better care of it? Would we learn to see ourselves within this larger narrative? God wants the creation in all of its diversity to thrive. Now, there are Christians that hold a particular theological bent who believe that we don't need to worry about the future of the earth because Jesus will come again and fix it all anyway. Now to hold that position is awfully difficult biblically. It simply ignores the truth of our human vocation given in the creation story. It also ignores the fact that environmental injustice also disproportionately affects the poor and vulnerable. Our neighbors, whom Jesus commands us to love as we love ourselves. Biblical morality always ties us to the earth and to each other. It always forces us to consider our responsibility to our neighbor's well-being. Now, I listened to a great podcast in which a biologist suggested that human beings might survive this environmental catastrophe we've created for quite some time. But if we survive in it, he said, it will surely be on a planet that will be increasingly devoid of beauty. 
That statement stopped me in my tracks when I heard it. I don't know about you, but I'm not that interested in living on a planet devoid of beauty. Now, let's go back to your favorite place again that you were going off to a minute ago. I was in Big Sur. Imagine that place, this place that brings you joy. Now, this time, imagine it as the barren wasteland that Pope Francis talked about. Imagine it as the place that is now devoid of beauty, devoid of the beauty that makes it special to you. For me, this is a big sur without redwoods or a ruined coastline of plastic bottles. Is a planet devoid of beauty the legacy that we want to leave behind? Is it uh, what we want the next generations to inherit from us? So far, we've learned really simply, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. We've shown that we're created in the image of God, this chiseled out image of the creator higher than the animals, but in no way divine. We've been given authority by God when we hear the words like rule and dominion or subdue, which properly understood comes with tremendous responsibility. Our authority, our role is the authority only of a steward or a manager, not the owners, only the caretakers. So the question becomes, how are we doing as stewards, as the stewards of God's creation? I think that we might all agree that we've been pretty ruthless and unjust stewards of the earth. Historian Yuval Harari says that Homo sapiens hold the record for driving the most plant and animal species into extinction. He also says that we have the dubious distinction of being the deadliest species in the annals of biology and history. <laughs> that kind of sums up how well we've been doing. Now, I believe as a person of faith that God is calling our generation to a great work. The church worldwide can and must address the issues of environmental justice, which some theologians, listen to this, are actually calling a theological emergency today that requires a moral intervention. The church can and must accept this mantle of leadership because it is a God-given one. Jesus taught us over and over again that the one who rules is the one who serves. So personally, I would like to explore with each of you how we as Lightshine Church might better accept this mantle of leadership. We know that this will require hard work to change the system, we also know that it will require hard work and changes to our own personal behavior, like what Shay was talking about in the children's message, right? Imagine that place one more time, the one that brings you incredible joy. God invites us to care for this planet like we would care for that particular place that we are imagining right now if it were in trouble. It is in trouble. 
So what lengths are we willing to go to? What choices are we willing to make? What sacrifices are we willing to make to ensure that that place doesn't become devoid of beauty now or a barren wasteland for the next generation? We will care for that which we delight in. Amen.